Well, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 6 if you want. I, I'm still um, kind of dealing with this whole idea of crisis and process. We want to talk about that, another aspect of that tonight. How many of you are aware, and let me just remind you of this, that life does have crisis with it. Big stuff, little stuff, bunch of stuff. On occasion, there's a season of nothing, then out of the blue, boom. Any real people here that live in real lives? Okay. And then you, you should then, based on that crisis, you should then process. And remember that progress is usually preceded by crisis. Sometimes crisis comes in your life and then you, or, or in the world or your nation or family or whatever it would be. And if you look back, you'll see that, you know what, that crisis was actually a pivot point. That crisis actually was the marker in my life that progress came after that. Because we have to process, we have to make some adjustments. Y'all do realize that, don't you? We have to continue to make some adjustments in life. And as certain things come to us, for whatever reason that they came, be it the enemy or you did something dumb... Let me do a quick informal survey. How many of you ever done something dumb? Okay, good. We got the right crew here tonight. And so you have some crisis, same survey, second part of the survey. How many of you have had crisis, self-inflicted crisis before? Okay. So, and I'm, I would never defend the devil, but, but you can't blame the devil for everything. There are some people I know, they don't even need a devil. You know, they still kill, destroy from themselves, you know, and you think I'm joking. I'm not. Um, and I know that ultimately he's connected to that in some way, but we have to then when crisis comes into our life, that's a, a wonderful point then to go to God. A lot of times that's the point people come back to God and don't condemn people for that. Well, the only reason they came back to God is because something fell apart in their life. Don't condemn them. They did the right thing. They were dumb up to that point, but so were you, you know, and so now we have to respond to that. You'd be careful how you deal with people making any movement toward God. Well, they only did that because they were in jail. Thank God. I said, thank God. They only did that because their life fell apart. Thank God, you know, and encourage people along those lines. But we have to process from there. And we've been looking at a number of aspects of what do we do? How do we do this so that we can get to what we call a point of point of hope? You know, it's a preferred future. It's like I, w- I want to get from where I am to over there. And we've, we've seen in previous weeks that the first thing you have to believe and know is God will, God will meet you where you're at. What the devil would love to lie to you and tell you is you're not good enough, you're stuck, you're going to have to do a whole bunch of things before God will be involved in your life. No, he will come to where you are. You didn't hear me. He will come to where you are. He will, he will help you where you are. Could I, could I get a, a witness from anybody that, yeah, I've been in a spot and he came to where I was, okay? And thank God for that. Um, and then there are n- numerous things that we've looked at on that. The thing that we want to be careful about is the enemy loves to just get you stuck then you're in a point of crisis and he loves at that point to just make sure you get stuck that you get hopeless that you just start to cope you just give up you resign you know my life's broken this is just it we're we're busted we're disgusted we're stuck and he loves to just leave you in that spot because then you you lose your hope you lose your joy you don't hunger for wisdom and uh, it's a dangerous spot. 
And, and uh, we need to do all we can in our lives and the people that we love and the people that we know to help them to get unstuck. You get a better amen tonight. All right, let's, let's look. We're going to look at some other aspects on this tonight. I believe this is going to be very helpful. I'm excited to share this with you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, and we're going to read a lot of scripture tonight. Actually, um, this won't make much sense to you, but I've got one page of notes and uh, two going on to a third page of scriptures. So we're going to back this up really good with the word tonight. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through verse 18. Finally, my brethren, say that's me. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, all right, just one more time, says me, that you may be, watch this, able to stand, that you be able to stand. I know I've had you talk back and respond a lot tonight, but you know, this is a group activity. Okay. You will be able to stand. You need to know that. Just kind of note that right there. Let's, let's keep going. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And I want you to note this. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all that. Take up the whole armor of God. Here it is again. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Everybody say, I am able. To withstand. And having done all, to stand. Verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able, there it is again, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So you need to know right there that the danger and the threat is constant. So this is something you have to constantly be involved in. And in scripture here, this is a a metaphor, a picture here of some spiritual things that we do that actually end up being our spiritual armor. And uh, there's not a literal, you know, armor, you know, it's like... uh, can we order that online? Uh, you know, the bookstore have it. You know, it, it is, it's uh, a picture of what happens to us uh, as we participate in some certain things that, that God has, has given for us to be involved in. Um, let's look at a, a couple of things. I'm not an artist at all, but I wanted you to, to realize something. If, if this is the earth, and if this is the earth, it's at a round. And heaven is up. And actually, and and I I don't want to get into this, heaven is so near. See, it's it's a dimension. And I hesitate to even go here because we've got so much to get into here. But it's not necessarily so much a location that I think is like, you know, 741,000 miles, you know. It's a dimension, and I just think it's so near. And there are times that we see in Scripture that, you know, there's the inbreaking of heaven. There's the inbreaking of, uh, uh, we're coming up on Christmas. Suddenly there was, with the angels, a heavenly host. I mean, just kind of, just kind of popped into our dimension. 
Okay, this, this is material and that's spiritual. But we get descriptions that heaven is up, heaven is north. And if this is earth and if this is heaven, we just read here. And let's, let's look here in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So your husband, your wife is not your enemy. They might be working for the enemy, but they're not there. All right. That's another prayer request for some of y'all. Okay. Uh, let's stay on the message. For we do not wrestle with uh, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, watch this, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there's some stuff kind of in between. And some of this, and don't freak out, okay? Some of this is, is territorial. Um gatherings in in the scripture there were kind of a concentration of uh people possessed you know demonic possession and you remember the one account uh where jesus spoke to them and he was about to cast them out in the greek it kind of kind of implies away and they begged that they could stay there and, and they went into, they said, could we go in the pigs? Remember they went, they went into the pigs and then the pigs threw themselves off, off the cliff. Um, there are, and you, you probably, if you've traveled, you've been anywhere, you pay attention to the news. I, I do think there are some territorial things, you know, in certain areas, certain cities, certain, certain things. Okay. And, uh, pastor John and I were at a conference recently and, Pastor Robert Morris out at Gateway, he, he made this statement. He said, you better take that seriously. You better take that seriously. Okay, now keep that in mind. But I, I want to refer back to Scripture here that we are able, I, I pointed out to you, we're able to withstand and we're able to overcome. So when we're going through some things that we might would classify as, quote, warfare, and, and, and I already said this earlier, not everything's warfare. Um, when we're dealing with whatever we might would call warfare, y- you need to be careful during this time that you don't focus too much on the enemy. Okay? That you don't focus too much on the enemy. So, as I just told you, take this seriously. All right, look at me now. But don't take it too seriously. Don't take it too seriously because of some scripture I'm going to read you right now. In Ephesians chapter, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. Are y'all following me? Uh, Now, I'm not making up stuff. That's all from scripture. And we can point to real stuff in life and go, yeah, that's why. And some people get a little kooky about all this. And because some people get kooky, how many know that other people go, I want no kookies? Okay, the road in the ditches. Somebody's weirding out over here. We'll go in the other ditch so we're not with them. And in the course of that, you miss the road. You miss, you miss the, the reality, the balance of it all. And so while this being real and you need to pay attention, you need to take that seriously. But in the light of everything, don't take it too seriously. Because Romans chapter 8 verse 38 and 39, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor 
principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 10, and then verse 15. And you, say that's me, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. Ephesians 1, verse uh, 19 through 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us? Get that. His power toward us who believe. Does anybody believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Watch this. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, I don't want to be cutesy with this, but if he's the head of the body and the body is the church and he's put all things under his feet, then those things positionally are under our feet. Okay, so principalities and powers are under our feet. So take it serious, but don't take it too seriously. Let's keep reading. First John 4, verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And we won't go there right now, but in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says that God... Uh, in fulfilling his purposes, uses the church to display his manifold wisdom, the variety, the, the many aspects of his wisdom, to make known his wisdom to principalities and powers through the church. That's right. So when redemption hits the church, when people of God know who they are in Jesus, that's a signal, that's a statement. The wisdom of God gets made known to satanic forces, to principalities and powers, the things that would try to interfere and block. And how many of you know that principalities and powers are at work in the world today? I mean, you don't have to look very far to see some things or, you know, all kinds of things are going on in the world. Now, I want to take you back to verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6 and just refer to this here. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, or basically the shield of faith, with which you will be able, you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And the New Living Translation, well, let me just point this out. You're able to quench all the fiery darts. You're able to quench all the fiery darts. The New Living Translation says you're able to stop all the fiery darts. You're able to stop all the fiery darts. Uh, today, I read, I read in the news this afternoon, Gaza and Hamas and Israel are you know, war essentially. And Israel has a thing called the Iron Dome, which is an incredible high-tech missile defense system. 13 missiles were launched by Hamas in Gaza today. Target Israel, Iron Dome intercepted them all. Isn't that an incredible thing? It just, and I thought, here's my comment on that. Cool and a half. That's just cool and a half. 
Man, I wish I had one of those. You do. The shield of faith. You have the shield of faith. Okay, now let's go back to where we started. Crisis and process. Not everything's warfare. Not everything's the enemy. But the enemy is busy. He is trying to lob and shoot into your life. He is trying to shoot. And the word even the Greek there for arrows and darts also is missiles. Fiery missiles. Why are they fiery? Because they don't want to just hit and hurt. Once they hit and hurt to spread damage. Ultimately to destroy. So the enemy has attacks. That's what it represents. It's a metaphor again. It's to attack you in some way. So the question would be when a person's going through crisis. And follow me on this. The question a lot of times would be. Why is the enemy attacking me so much? How many of you have ever felt that before? Why, is, why are all these attacks coming in my life? And let me tell you that that's not really the question. The better question is this. Why are so many attacks landing? Why are so many things getting through to me? Because I already read to you earlier, we have to continue with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end. Why? Because the danger and the threat is constant. And until the whole shooting match is over, the enemy and all his hierarchy and forces of evil are poised against, you know, attacking, steal, kill, destroy. Y'all with me? And, I, and take that seriously. But in light of all that I've read to you and, and the whole big picture, don't take it too seriously. But you've got it because greater is he that is in you and he's put this under our feet and he's given us the armor of God that you may be able to stand, that you may be able to withstand. Let me go back and in the, in the Greek here, that word for stand and withstand is to continue safe and sound, to stand unharmed, to remain kept intact. And so you've got an enemy that's constantly, follow this, constantly trying to shoot things into your life. But the scripture says that God has given us armor. He's given us a defense system that though the enemy would constantly be trying to attack you, you are able to stay, remain safe and sound and stay intact. I like being on this team. I said, I like being on this team. I like the equipment they give out. You're going to be all right. But a lot of people are asking the question, why am I getting attacked so much? And listen, there's going to constantly, there'll be attacks constantly. The better question, the real question is why are so many attacks getting through? Why am I feeling this? Why, why am I getting hit? You know, I promise you that if that iron dome that, that Israel has, if missiles started getting through there, They already know missiles are coming and y'all need to pray. I mean, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, pray that God's plan works in the earth and understand that God's plan is not all daisies and pumpkin patches. I mean, read the book. It's going to get pretty hairy, you know, as everything unfolds. Church is not appointed under wrath. The people of God are not appointed under wrath. There's pictures. I see some of y'all like we see pictures in the scripture. How many of you remember Noah had an ark? And that was a type and shadow, a real event, but a type and shadow that when destruction was to come, God took his people, he put them in a place and he did what? He lifted them up over the destruction. 
That's a picture of the rapture of the church. There's a lot of views on when that will take place. And and I'm just telling you, not just because I want it to be the case, but I see in Scripture a pre-tribulation, a pre-big-time trouble rapture and taking away of the church. Okay? So, plenty on that. That's not my message tonight. My thing is, you need to make sure and check why are things getting through. So, I want to share a couple things with you tonight. I wish I had two hours to do on this, but we'll, we'll go ahead on this. The first thing that you've got to do if attacks are getting through. Oh, I started to say this. If Hamas or whoever is launching missiles in and the Iron Dome, they start getting through the Iron Dome. The question will not be, why do they keep shooting at us? The question will be, why are they getting through? And what will they do? They'll start to look at their systems. They'll they'll start to adjust. Okay, so we have to do it. So the first thing that we need to do is inspect our faith. Inspect our faith. Faith is the thing that causes us to overcome. Amen? And let me ask you this about your faith. Two things that we're going to look at. There's plenty that we could. But is your faith being fed? Okay, there's a lot of people think because they attend church and own a Bible. That faith is all cool. You've got to understand that faith is something you must feed. Faith is something that needs to be a priority in your life. We walk by. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You've got to have a living, active faith. And faith is not something you work up. Faith is an active, I trust God. I'll obey God. My hope is in him. What he tells me to do, I'll do. I trust him. He'll see me through anything. Anything he said, I'm persuaded he's able to keep what he said. Any promise he made, he's able to do it. That's what faith is. It's not just works because faith without works is dead. It's not just words, rather. That all goes together. But you have to feed your faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the by the word of God. So your faith has to be fed. Problem is a lot of people are feeding where faith resides in you, but they're feeding it with CNN, Facebook, Pinterest. I mean, we're spending a whole lot of time on stuff that is not feeding your faith. Well, I just don't have time to read. Well, it's amazing the time that you have for all these other stuff. So the fact is you are getting fed, but you're feeding yourself crud. Or marshmallows and mushrooms that are not helping you. I'm reading a book right now, um, and it's a biography, and part of it is dealing with the the Civil War. And there were soldiers that were so starved and and so weather-beaten that they were just eating just about anything just to fill and because of that, they're delirious. They, they walk like they're, you know, out of their minds. They're getting full, but they're not eating things that would fill them. And we've got to make sure that you are fueling your faith, feeding on the word of God. Are y'all hearing me? You need daily exposure to and intake of the word of God and anything you're having to mount your faith against, be it for health or finances or peace or whatever. Feed on the promises of God. Feed on the promises of God. Well, I don't know where they are. Google them. And I'm not kidding you. You could just Google or, or 
whatever search engine you use and say Bible promises for baldness or whatever, whatever. I gave up that good fight of faith. It don't matter to me. But is it being fed? Because if something's not, what happens to something that's not fed? Okay. It starves. Is starve an event? Starve is a process. It's a process. And it makes you weak. And then you can't think right. And you make wrong decisions. And you compromise. And you get weaker, weaker, weaker. And then faith dies. So the first thing is, is your faith being fed? Attacks getting through? You've got to inspect your faith. And the first part of that is, is faith being fed? The second thing is this. And this is a big part of faith. What are you saying? What are you saying? I could spend three minutes with you and you could tell me ahead of time, here's my problem. And then I could spend three minutes with you and I could tell you if you're in faith regarding that problem or not. You would tell me. Your words. How you would describe it. So anything that you're concerned about, you need to make sure that you're, you're speaking words of faith and not just speaking words. And everything you heard your three friends say or you heard on TV or talk radio or anything else, you need to make sure that you're saying what God says. And we kind of put it this way around here. Stay on the right side of the butt. I do not believe in a, in a type of faith that just denies. There are no problems, are no problems, are no problems, are no problems. Yeah, there are. Get your fingers out of your ears because there's some problems. And they're about to run you over. So it's not a matter of that. There, this is the situation. But. Come on. Give me a big but. Come on. But. But. This is what the word says. This is what the word says. And so very, very important thing. Attacks getting through. Are you feeding your faith? Are you feeding your faith? Are you feeding your faith? And what are you saying? Because I believe that you could actually neutralize and negate your faith by speaking contrary to what God said. Because faith is always at work. And it's either going in the positive life-giving direction of faith or it gets a perverted reverse form called fear. But you're always speaking what you believe. You're always speaking what you believe. And the spirit of faith, everybody say the spirit of faith. Watch this in 2 Corinthians 4.13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, watch this. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. What do you speak? Speak what you believe. And you have a mechanism that you will always do that. You always speak what you believe. You make sure faith comes by, believing comes by hearing, feed this. And then say the same thing and make sure that your words are not working counter to all this. Y'all there? Remember that your words have the power of life and death. And then the other thing that we have to do beyond our faith, and you're not going to be able to do this one without faith. The second thing is you're going to have to go to a whole nother level of prayer. If things are getting through, if attacks are getting through, if the Missiles of the enemy are getting through. You're going to have to make sure faith is strong. But then you're going to have to. Are you all hearing me? Yes, sir. 
You're going to have to take it up to another level of prayer. Well, I've been praying. Good. But sounds like we need to ramp it up. Sounds like we need to crank it up a little bit if, if what you have been doing. And you know what? Don't be so, don't assume that you've got prayer perfected. Well, I have prayed about it. Well, you might be praying goofy. You, you might not be praying enough. And you might be praying in the wrong way. You may not be praying based on God's words. All right, let's look at a couple of things here. James 4, 2 says you do not have because you, you do not ask. I'm going to just be real vulnerable. There have been times I have worked hard on something, fretted on something, and then the Holy Spirit will remind me, ask. Oh, yeah, that. You know, in a, a complex situation, it's like, I need the answer for this. I need a person for that. I need, to, uh, I need the wisdom on how to do this. And I'm, and I'm trying to wring it out some, somehow. And then here's the thing. I haven't asked. I'm trying to honor God, but I, and I trust him. I believe him. But sometimes we just get so working on it that we fail to ask. And right there in the word, it says you do not have because you, you do not ask. So I would recommend, first of all, that you... That you ask. And look at James 5, 16 in the Amplified Bible. It says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its workings. You know what that means? You're going to have to put something into the prayer. Don't pray a mamby-pamby religious prayer. I mean, get some heat in that thing. Y'all hear me? Put something into that prayer and something to come out of that prayer. And that doesn't mean you got to, you know, spit and yell and strip out your voice and wear camo and do all this. You don't have to do that. But it's earnest, heartfelt, fervent, continued. There's some, there's some heat. There's some passion on, on this side. God, I believe you. And you're bigger than this. And your word says that. And I need this to happen. And I'm praying on behalf of them because the devil's blinded their eyes and he's ruining their life. And I mean, get into it instead of, Lord, you know, so-and-so and bless them and help them. And it's like, get in there. You know, it's like getting in the batter's box and just holding bat. <laughs> or getting in there and you don't care who the pitcher is. It's like, bring that to us. Y'all with me? I mean, even if you're not even a good hitter, knock the mud out of your cleats and just give them some look. I mean, get into it. Are y'all with me? Y'all, religion will push prayer down into these little, weak, pale, vanilla methods. And you need to sometimes take a long walk or a long bath or something or get in your car and drive to Albuquerque, you know, and on the way just... And take care of some business. Y'all hear me? All right, I got, I got to hurry here. We have a tendency to stress out. And I want you to say amen if this ends up being true. We have a tendency to stress out about things that we should be praying about. And you need to catch yourself in that. We hate it when other people point that out to us. You're stressing. Well, have you prayed about it? It's none of your business if I've prayed. <laughs> prayed about it. You better pray about it. No, you need to check that on yourself. We tend to stress out about the things that we should be.
praying about. Prayer is a transfer of stress. I love that. Prayer, that's what prayer is. It's a transfer of stress. They take the stress and transfer it over on the one who can handle it. And did you know this? This burden, this stress that you feel, when you put it in his hands, it's no longer stress or burden. You put it in his hands, it's not stress to God. And it's off of you. You put it in his hands, it's no longer burden for him. And listen, sheep are not burden-bearing animals. You know, you never see in the movies and pictures of, you know, they're settling the West. You don't have all these big wagon trains, you know, being pulled by sheep. (laughs) That would get nowhere. Guess what scripture calls us? Sheep. Could I get a good bath tonight? All right. Well, be thankful that that's what you are because we're not burden-bearing critters. But we have a burden-bearing God. And prayer is a transfer of the burden. Prayer is a transfer of the stress. I had some things earlier today. There's a, a, a crisis, tragedy situation that came to us that we've got to be involved in. I've got to be working with a family in a situation, you know, later in this week and today. And it's just a heavy thing. And I just felt the, the burden, the stress of it. It's like, oh, you feel like the enzymes in your stomach's just like, oh, Jesus, this is horrible. And it doesn't mean that you lose feeling and compassion for somebody going through something horrible. But I was able to transfer the stress and the burden. I still feel the compassion. My heart breaks over this. But to put the burden over on the one who can carry the burden. And that's what prayer is. Excuse me. Prayer is that transfer of stress and burden. The opposite of anxiety is prayer. Let me take you real quick to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. We're almost done. In the Amplified Bible, watch this. Casting the whole of your care. Watch all these words. They count. Casting the whole of your care. All your anxieties. All your worries. All your concerns. Once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately. And he cares about you watchfully. I heard this recently. We only need to carry our burdens. Listen. We only need to carry our burdens to Jesus' feet. Only that far. But you know what we insist on doing? Carrying it with us. Taking it with us to work. To lunch. It's with us in the shower. Come on. We take it to bed with us. People say, you're not yourself. I'll tell you why I'm not myself. I've got this. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And we're not equipped for it. We're just not equipped for it. And what we've got to do is take that burden and you carry the burden only this far. Carry it to the feet of Jesus. You might have responsibility. He might tell you some things that you need to do. You know, there's action points that you have to take. But the burden and the stress of it, we need to transfer it over onto our Lord. Amen. Now, you can and should keep praying about it, but stop carrying it. Stop carrying it. And then just in closing, let me read this one verse and then 
give you some instruction here. Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, and again, I say to you, follow this. If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, do y'all believe these words so far? Jesus said this. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. Sometimes you say, well, I've been working on my faith and I think I've been praying all right. But you know what you need sometimes? Somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to pray for you. Somebody to agree together. Years ago, I heard Pastor Jack Hayford, who I just love. He's one of my heroes in the faith. Say that he said I would be, and I believe these words are almost verbatim to what I've seen him write concerning this, regarding this verse. He said, I would be hard pressed to think of anything that my wife Anna and I have ever prayed about and agreed about that God has not answered. And I used to think that is so awesome. And then you know what? I've started to look at my own life and you know, I, I think I can say it except my wife's name's not Anna. But I'm, I'm trying to think. And this afternoon I spent a little time. I thought, I, I, I'm going to explore this just a little bit. And I really am hard-pressed to think of anything that I've agreed with somebody in prayer about. That God hasn't done. He's able. I said He's able. And sometimes if you're not getting it by yourself, you know, I can't move this refrigerator. Somebody else with you. Get somebody to stand in there with you. Get somebody that has some faith and knows how to pray to stand with you. We're going to close service here in just a moment. And after every service, we have folks ready up here, ready to pray with you. Some of y'all have been carrying some stuff. <laughs> and you, you need to lay it at Jesus' feet. Maybe get somebody to pray with you tonight. And you say, I don't know if I can even pray with somebody. Get them to pray for you then. And, and leave that. Let me go back to the top again. Don't be surprised that the enemy keeps attacking. That's what he does. The question would be, why are these things getting through? Why am I feeling that? Why is that happening? Why, why is this breaking down? What, what's happening there? Go back and inspect your faith. And the other thing is, it's, it's time to go to another level of prayer. And you get those things going. We read scripture and I stand on I believe it. I believe it. I can witness and testify of it. You'll be able to withstand. And having done all to stand, stand. And in the end, you're standing. God gets the glory and the devil's defeated. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?